Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Antonio Inoki has passed away at the age of 79, uh, and we are going to talk about his legacy and what he means to the wrestling business. Uh, welcome to the Rust Talk Podcast. We will also be reviewing SmackDown and Rampage as usual today, but we thought we'd start this episode talking about the news of Antonio Inoki. Um, because Tempest, uh, in wrestling, uh, the term like legend kind of gets thrown around a lot. Um, terms like trailblazer, um, you know, people who are so important to the industry, stuff like that, gets thrown around a lot to the point where it can sometimes kind of become white noise. So when you hear the news, if you're not familiar with Antonio Inoki and someone says, well, he's a legend of the industry, it might not actually tell the full story of what he means to wrestling. Um, and for someone who I know, obviously, know you know a lot about Inoki and his history, what does he mean to you and to wrestling? Well, I mean, it's difficult to put it into a very concise manner because obviously we've only got so much time here on this podcast and it would take a full podcast length to be able to talk about what the contributions Antonio Inoki has made to, re to wrestling really mean. But I mean, this guy is one of the most important influential figures in wrestling history and he is somebody who you look at and as a promoter, he's on that same kind of level as like a Vince McMahon type. Mm -hmm. In Japan, on, as a wrestler, he's on the same scale as like a Hulk Hogan, The Rock level of stardom. And it's difficult to really imagine it in a North American sense because we don't have very many of those type of people. And the ones that we do have, like obviously Hulk Hogan is a big star in pro wrestling. Obviously Vince McMahon is a very influential promoter. There aren't that many people in pro wrestling in North America that did both. Mm -hmm. They do exist, but maybe not to the level of an Antonio Inoki. Because without this just being a history lesson, Antonio Inoki is one of the two big protégés of Ricky Dozan, the father of pro wrestling in Japan. To this day, the biggest wrestling star that there's ever been in Japan. And at this point, it is 
impossible to ever reach that level of stardom again because we're talking like the same not there is not a sports star in America that had the same level of stardom as Ricky Dozen had in Japan which it sounds insane to be able to say that like you know there's Michael Jordan and there's mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali people like this Ricky Dozan was significantly a significant more significantly bigger star than than people of that magnitude mm. for what he meant to Japanese culture and everything coming out of World War II as like an icon that people yeah. could rally behind and he started he started Japanese wrestling with the Japanese Pro Wrestling uh, Alliance the JWA in Japan and he had two major protégés that stayed in Japan and they were Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba mm -hmm. now People that know Japanese wrestling obviously know these two big names. And even those that don't, like Antonio Inoki was a WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah. He was someone who unofficially was a WWE champion, wasn't recognized by WWE. But the, he was one of the people that WWE would point to as a big star in pro wrestling. The same way that like Tatsumi Fujinami was and various other people. But... The history of Antonio Inoki is so interesting because, again, he's not, you know, like nobody is. He wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't a perfect performer. But you look at what he did for wrestling in Japan and his, his footprint being left on Japanese wrestling will always be felt. Mm -hmm. He is the man that founded New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of the longest lasting, most successful promotions in the world. Mm -hmm. It's still standing today 50 years after its inception. Yeah. And there just aren't that many promotions that have that same legacy. Now, again, this could be a very long history lesson if we wanted it to be. And obviously we don't have all the time for that. But it is such a fascinating story looking at his run through wrestling and then even beyond wrestling, into mixed martial arts, mm -hmm. where a lot of people, their memories of Antonio Inoki might be his fight with Muhammad Ali, which is, it wasn't a big financial success for people in North America, but it, because it just, it was ahead of its time, people didn't consider like a pro wrestler against a boxer as like a real marquee event in North America, but in Japan, it was very successful. It was a really big deal. So there are a lot of different things that you can look at. He's obviously the person that led the WCW New Japan show into North Korea because he was a senator in Japan. This mm. is how we're like, we're talking like big major stardom to the point where you can cross over into politics. Yeah. You know, which happens sometimes in North America, but not, not a ton. But this guy took New Japan pro wrestling when he left the JWA. He was fired from JWA after trying to have a, after Ricky Dozan died and getting the whole timeline right, Ricky Dozan passes away in the early 70s and then <laughs> Antonio Inoki tries to take over the promotion, mm -hmm. fails at that, and leaves. And this starts two major promotions yep. in, in Japan where Giant Baba starts All Japan Pro Wrestling and Antonio Inoki starts New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now these two were a tag team when they were in the same promotion, which is just it's mind-blowing. Yeah. It would be as if The Rock and Steve Austin were a tag team mm -hmm. at the height of their powers at the same time in North America, which just, it, that's never existed. That yeah. level of stardom in a tag team is unbelievable. But they were rivals at the same time because they were protégés together. They had that kind of budding rivalry between them where 
they never got to blow it off because mm -hmm. egos were involved and then it became the promoters of two two rival promotions yeah and they're just never going to be able to blow that off yeah you know you're not going to have that match and the legacy of new japan from that point onward antonio inoki was of course the biggest star there and really the biggest star that they ever had and they've had a lot of very big stars you know you look at the the course of their roster over the decades and there's some very big very influential wrestlers to go through new japan pro wrestling but antonio inoki was always the most popular he was one of the most popular wrestlers ever and i've listened to a lot of whether it be dave Meltzer or other historians talk about the most charismatic wrestlers that he's ever been around and it's a short list with antonio inoki on that list mm -hmm. The, the the reception that he would get at the big Tokyo Dome shows is just, it's unparalleled compared to many other stars in wrestling on a similar par with someone like a Hulk Hogan. And that's taking into account that Japanese fans don't react the same way to like an entrance of a wrestler, but they kind of would get close with someone like Antonio Inoki. Now, of course, I don't want to make this, I don't want to harp too much on on his negative points mm -hmm. in his career because while he did found new japan pro wrestling he also very nearly bankrupted the promotion yeah you know so there there's a lot of duality to people like an antonio inoki people like a vince mcmahon for example where yes you can point at them as being among the most successful promoters ever but you also do need to take into account their shortcomings as promoters as well because new japan pro wrestling in the early 2000s was in a terrible state brought on a lot by this feel, this concept of Inokiism, mm -hmm. which of course was named after him, which was kind of a mix of pro wrestling and mixed martial arts, and not in like a, a fun, really interesting pancrase kind of way, but more in a, I'm going to put these untrained wrestlers in a fight with people that are trained fighters. And when they lose, it's like, well, you can't be champion in this, in this fake pro wrestling world and they'll strip you of a title and it led to a lot of fans turning off the product and it took a long time to really turn that around so again without harping too much on that because obviously i would rather celebrate what the man did in mm. life than than point to his shortcomings but it's worth addressing of course because new japan has gone through its ups and downs and the ups were because of antonio inoki mm -hmm. the downs were because of antonio inoki you yeah. know, and the, the resurgence since then, because he, he went on to found other promotions that never quite took off the same way. Mm -hmm. But still, there was that level of reverence for this man. They did a, a list, I want to say about 10 years ago, maybe more recent than that, of the most famous athletes in Japanese history. And he was in the top 10. Yeah. And you think about that and you think of like the baseball players and, and the Olympians and everybody that's gone through Japan as like these very famous athletes. He is among those names. Yeah. So when someone like that passes away, there there's a big hole being felt in a culture like that. Exactly. I, I think that's the main reason that we wanted to kick off this podcast talking about this, because, uh, uh, you know, if you looking through the lens of like a, a WWE or North American lens, you know, they referenced on, on SmackDown, they said, you know, we'd like to acknowledge breaking news. Antonio Inoki, Inoki's passed away. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's really impactful in the industry. We'd like to wish him well. And if you just take it on that surface level, you can go, oh, okay, that's sad. Anyway, moving on. But I just wanted to kind of like take this time to acknowledge like, no, this is actually a very important part of wrestling history that has now gone with Enoki as well. And to talk about his legacy that he's left on. The big one being New Japan, obviously. Mm -hmm. That is his legacy that will continue from here on out. 
but just like you said, the impact that he had on wrestling as a whole and shaping the perception of wrestling and mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't in terms of an in-ring style and things like that. All these lessons that were learned because of Inoki and it's that level of impact on the wrestling industry that you don't get from you know the, the average wrestler. Um, so it's worth acknowledging that Inoki was a huge factor in wrestling history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not just Japanese wrestling history no. at that point. Because, yeah. yes, he founds New Japan Pro Wrestling, but then if you want to talk about a ripple effect, you look at all of the things that then come because of that. Mm-hmm. And all of the stars that are then trained in New Japan yep. by Inoki, by the dojo, and that's people like a Tatsumi Fujinami, and then you just go through the years where it's Chono and Keiji Muto, great Muta that we just saw last mm-hmm. week, or Shinya Hashimoto, and then you go to the next generation of the Tanahashis, the Nakamuras, you know, the, the Shibatas, Tetsuya Naito. You just keep going and you find a lot of the pillars of the industry that maybe for a time weren't as appreciated as they maybe should have been just because of the structure of pro wrestling and there wasn't a way to watch New Japan pro wrestling accessibly for a long time. Maybe a lot of those people don't get the kind of recognition that they should have at the time. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on the impact that New Japan pro wrestling has made in general to wrestling, it's monumental. It's impossible to deny. And that really does all start with one man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. There are so many performances that you could talk about that we don't have time to really get into. But just the influence there where I'll, I'll talk about one match and then we can, we can get to the Ultra Chats and whatnot. But Antonio Inoki versus Vader is one of the big matches that people talk about mm. where Antonio Inoki, if anybody's seen my Quizzlemania back and forth with Sean Ross Sapp from a couple years ago, going over the G1 Climax winners, it was Antonio Inoki every single year. He was the most protected star. He was the most overstar. And if you want to talk about people like Hulk Hogan and, who, and whoever not losing, he's very much in that same vein. He is absolutely one of those stars that was very protected, protected himself as promoter and star, and it paid off for a long time. Turn that around into a match with Vader. And Vader goes in and basically squashes him and incites a riot at Mm -hmm. Sumo Hall because that was just never done. You beat the founding hero of a company and beat him mercilessly. And that is then carried forward into other angles. The big Brody Lee squash of Cody Rhodes was very much a tribute to that match mm-hmm. and said very openly as such. And that is, a, that is something that a lot more people in North America will have seen. But it all kind of starts, and it's not like it's the only time a squash has ever happened, but it's influential. Yeah, It does carry through because big moments like that with big stars just they resonate throughout history. Yeah. And that's one of just the examples of the kind of mark that someone like an Antonio Inoki makes. And there's just not that many people like an Antonio Inoki. Exactly. And there never will be. Again, I don't think. Not to, no. not to that caliber anyway. No, you um, can't reach that level of stardom in today's wrestling. No. And you say that could be wrong because the next... We don't know the future. The next <laughs> rock might come along and light the wrestling world on fire and it's doing 10 million viewers in the ratings again. That is... Entirely possible, but definitely implausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would need someone like that to even come close to rivaling the stardom of an Antonio Inoki. Exactly. So goes without saying, uh, well wishes and condolences to all of Inoki's friends and family at this time. Uh, and yeah, if you have any thoughts, feelings, comments, anything you want to share about Inoki, share it in the chat, send us your chats, all that stuff.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Shall we get into some of those old stress now? Let's see what people Let's. have to say. Send those in at russeltalk.com forward slash support. Going to go through all the ones that are five US bucks and up by the time the show goes off the air. Uh, on the subject of Antonio Inoki, Charles Berg says, uh, the greatest chin in history. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, a true pioneer and ambassador of this weird thing we all enjoy. A man who loved the business so much, he would beat the life out of you if you disrespect it. Great Antonio. Or make a legend if you respect it. Vader. R.I.P. Indeed. And if anybody hasn't seen the Did You Know that went live today, in fact, on Instagram and TikTok, Antonio Inoki, the character design model for Joey Wheeler from Yu-Gi-Oh! The chin that uh, Joey Wheeler has is based off Ooh. of Antonio Inoki because the, the, the artist for Yu-Gi-Oh! began thinking about if Joey's hot-blooded character would like pro wrestling and then linked his uh, character design to the most famous wrestler. That is very interesting. Where can, where can people find that again? on the WrestleTalk Instagram and TikTok, and also Parts Fun Known, although it hasn't gone live on that today. It yeah. will later, though. So go go find us on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. WrestleTalk.official, I think, on Instagram? Yes. I don't know our TikTok, I'll be honest. It's, it's a good so, question. Yeah. Find it. I believe um, it's the same. Yeah. Rob Buck said, uh, R.I.P. Antonio Inoki. Uh, although it was a loss, I will always remember when he got squashed by Big Van Vader, putting uh, the Mastodon on the map and paving the way for Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes to have the hell of a feud. Literally what you were just talking about. Absolutely. Uh, R.I.P. and thanks for paving the way. 
Very well said. Riot DR said, hey yo, uh, I didn't agree with a lot of his booking choices, but Anoki was still the father of strong style in pro wrestling, not to mention that superhero jawline. Bob Sapp was IWGP champion. Anywho, my heart goes out to his family and friends. Indeed. Yeah. That's hell of a the, sentence the early, right there. The early 2000s were, uh, were a mixed bag, to yeah. say the least. Uh, LBK said, hey guys, two questions. Uh, first, who has the best worked punch in pro wrestling? Two, who should beat Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship? And why is it Tamatonga? I don't know if it's going to be Tamatonga. That, I mean, crazier things have happened. Evil was champion. Evil was you champion. Know. Oh, it's difficult to say right now. Like, I don't really know. I want Jay White to kind of have, like, his run. Yeah. You know, he never got that the first time around. Mm -hmm. and granted, he's been champion since June and has gone through the G1 Climax and will defend the title at Wrestle Kingdom against uh, Okada, but... I don't know. I'd like to see. I don't think the answer is immediately apparent. I would like to see mm. Shingo have another run because he's brilliant. As far as who has the best work punch in pro wrestling, there are a lot of people on uh, on the short list that I have. Jerry Lawler always had one of the best work punches ever. Uh, Terry Funk had a great work mm. punch. Uh, Brett and Steve Austin were were both excellent like their survivor series match when they're just going back and forth i was like this is wrestling i love it <laughs> just worked punches not even the technical aspect of mm -hmm. it it's just oh brilliant stuff uh is it not john cena oh. surely that the double five knuckle shuffle <laughs> the best work punch in wrestling uh shane mcmahon um <laughs> said uh, <coughs> excuse me keep sending in your ultra tats to wrestle.com forward slash support gonna go through all the rest of them later on uh, but for now let's actually review the shows that we're here to review that being SmackDown and Rampage. We'll start with SmackDown, uh, which was a house show. Oh, Tempest. It started with a, the full intro to the show, which means my theory still stands. If they play the full intro, they are filling for time, and it is a filler show. Because it was this week. It's 100% of the time. I messed it up. Damn it. 100% of the time, it's right. No. No. 60% of, of the time, time it works, works every time every time yeah. there it is ah first you try you got the quote goodness there it is. me <laughs> um they played the full intro to the show so i was like well we're in for this kind of show and it started with sammy Zayn and solo sokoa versus mad cat moss and ricochet mm -hmm. the crowd they were in winnipeg for this show the crowd they were in toronto love sammy Zayn. oh man they're white hot for anything sammy did yeah. cheating doesn't matter we're gonna cheer this guy they are so into Sami Zayn, and I, I I really hope that that sort of reaction just carries over to other places that aren't Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. um, just it, it, I, I just love the fact that people just love Sami. It's great. It was lovely to hear. They booed Mad Cat Moss. That made me happy as well. <laughs> um, uh, and this match was... It was fine. Solid TV yeah, it was, match. It was fine. Nothing too special. Um, Solo won in the end. Has he changed the name of his finisher, or is this just the first time I'm hearing it? I don't know. Mm. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest. I stopped watching NXT. Oh yeah. At a certain point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I don't remember it being called the spinning solo <laughs> in NXT. At least not when I was watching. It may have changed to that name by the end. Yeah. But that's it's not a good name. Not not good is what I'd call it. Because his name is Solo. Mm -hmm. I may I make this joke in my editor, which by the way. 
the edited news and reviews and all that stuff is going up after this podcast. Um, still got the new editor who's still fine-tuning his process and stuff, so it's still taking him a little bit longer. And Saturday's a longer video because we also have a Rampage review, so it's a longer video. Um, I think he's got it finished, like, just after we went live, but unfortunately I can't check it and sign off and put it live now. Uh, so I have to do that after the podcast. Uh, I make this joke in the editor review, but it's like, if his name is Solo, and it's called a spinning Solo, it's like calling it, like a twisting trevor like you know it's just like a rotating roger like that's just it's a bad name yeah i mean he's not the first person to to have his name be no. put into a into a wrestling move no but like but usually they're a little bit his name yeah, it's, just it's, weird. U- it's usually a little bit more like it's the batista bomb yeah exactly yeah not the you know the spinning uh, Batista. The spinning Batista, yeah. you know? Yeah, the gyrating Gina. Um, it's just It just doesn't doesn't work, is yeah. what I'd say. But anyway, uh, Solo wins. He pinned Mad Cat Moss. Again, it's they doable. Do it. Whew, crazy. Uh, I like the post-match bit where Mad Cat Moss goes to beat up Sammy, and Solo once again was just like, no, I'm going to protect my boy. Yeah. And came in just really like he's going to help Sammy just take root in the bloodline a little bit more. Good stuff. Thumbs up for that. Yeah. Um, Sammy and Solo are backstage immediately afterwards. This was obviously the best bit of the show because yep. it involves Sammy Zayn. Um, and goes to go into the Bloodline locker room. Jey Uso comes out and he lets Solo in first, but speaks to Sammy alone. And he gets right in Sammy's face and he's like, look, I see through you. I know what you're doing. And if you ever put the family at risk, I won't hesitate, bitch, was basically what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sammy just kind of like, was just like, Hey man, just kind of gestured at the t-shirt that he's got the honorary use t-shirt. He's like, just take it up with Roman. And then walked into the locker room and I was like, I love it. it this is yeah. so great. Yeah, we say Yeah, we say every week how great this stuff is, and it continues to be great. I love the interpersonal relationships between every member of the bloodline. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just it That's makes great. it makes see, this is a big thing that I've noticed in in bad movies mm-hmm. where if you can have each of your characters all say the same lines and mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference, that means they're bad characters. Bigger. Not a single member of the bloodline could give the same lines because they're all completely their own individuals. Yes. I think that's very important. Yes, that is a very good point. I like it. Uh, Karrion Cross got a spooky promo. Trying to make up for that segment from last week. Mm-hmm. They really try. They even showed the fireball again this week in a little like cutaway bit. And I was like... I wouldn't if I were you, but yeah, that's just fine. let us forget. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this one, there was a QR code for the latest White Rabbit tees. It's Bray Wyatt. Like, yeah. it, it kind of has to be at this point. Like, seriously, if it's not Bray Wyatt <laughs> at this point, they are just, like, making sure that people are disappointed by, by the reveal not being Bray Wyatt. It's the return of Spooky Alexa. <laughs> yeah, like, if it's that, it would be like, what? It will make sure whatever happens, it won't work. Yeah, no, it's fun though. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, nice. it's extra. It's extra stuff. Yeah, you know. And I've seen a lot of people point uh, point this out on on Twitter that uh, everybody loves this like literal rabbit hole that we're all going down here with these teases mm-hmm. and all this extra work that you have to do. Yeah, but God forbid you have to Google who Mance Warner is. <laughs> you know right you know <laughs> that's very funny oh that's great um austin theory cut a promo backstage 
he was just crapping on Drew, being like, he's stupid at Clash of the Castle. He ruined everything, and he's bad. Uh, Drew McIntyre was behind him the whole time. Good sense of dramatic irony. But, and he just says, you, me, in the ring now. And he went out, and they had a match. It was very short, and then it ended in DQ. This was has, a Teddy Long segment. This that really was. missing was. Teddy Long. Yeah, exactly. Um, has Austin Theory been accompanied by Alpha Academy before? Has that happened? Like on, I don't really watch Raw that much. They were the trio on the pre-show of Clash at the Castle that we missed. Oh, yeah, we did miss that, didn't we? Yeah. I forgot that that happened. Right. But otherwise, okay. I believe that's it. Okay, cool. I was just curious because Austin yeah. Theory was like, hey, it's Alpha Academy. It's my boys. And I'm like, have you been together before? Um, at least anyway, once. At least once. Uh, Otis calls the DQ and beat up Drew. Uh, post-match beatdown. Uh, Drew gets saved by Johnny Gargano and Kevin Owens. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Sets up the main event of six-man tag. Player. All right. Holla holla. Holla holla, etc. I'm never a huge fan of the matchings in DQ. We'll do it again, but with more people thing. I, I don't me, have a problem whatever. with it if it's like immediate mm. you know if it is I'm, like if I it, still have a problem like with that, but... it's not my preferred way of doing things but if it is I could see in a logical sense like okay this match was scheduled to have this much allotted time mm -hmm. at this point in the show yeah and it's gone a minute so like let's just restart it with a couple other guys yeah. and we can we can salvage this somehow yeah this then immediately goes back to the point it's like well, what was your main <laughs> what event? What was your main event before this happened? Yeah, which uh, is just, well, it's pro wrestling and you kind of have to accept it, but yeah, it sure. is one of those little pet peeves. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about all the Maximum Male Model stuff later in one go, because it was basically all the same segment. Mm -hmm. um, so you cut a promo on Bailey. It was all right. Uh, and then we had Los Lotharios versus Hit Row. Hit Row one. I like Hit Row. They're good. There's not much else to this one. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, though, the commentators were clearly told to riff for a little bit and improvise because it cuts to the commentators and Michael Cole is talking about like, you know, Hit Row, they were like, show me how to move in the locker room. And I'm like, please stop talking, Michael Cole. Every time Michael Cole's on this show, <laughs> he has to talk about how much of like a rap fan he is. Yeah. Like during this match. Corey Graves was talking about, like, you know, uh, top dollar rapping and that sort of thing. And Michael Cole's like, yeah, I was listening to it on the treadmill earlier. I'm a real rap aficionado. I think he called him, like, he called somebody Vic Mensa on this show. I forget who he was talking about. But I was like, I do not believe for one <laughs> second that you know who Vic Mensa is, Michael Cole. Maybe he does. Maybe Michael Cole is a huge fan of, of, of rap music. Mm -hmm. He could be. Could be. I don't believe no. Nope. Um, but while the commentators were riffing and improvising, uh, a some a sign in the crowd appeared behind them. Someone just walked up and held up a sign. They just said, "Revel in what you are," and they held it up for a bit while the commentators just riffed and then walked off. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, people found that that is something that Bray Wyatt tweeted in 2019. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's Bray Wyatt. <laughs> it's Bray Wyatt. It's neat. I like cool. a little touch like yeah, that, though. It's nice. You know, I wish it was a little bit more seamless yeah you know yeah. but i do like that it isn't being none of the things that are bray wyatt things here are super in your face yeah it is just kind of like if you do not pay attention you will miss it yeah and i like that i think this was the most over yes. one that we've had so far and even that was like if you're paying attention to the commentators you might not have seen it but it was yeah 
it's pretty obvious but yeah. whatever um we then heard a recap of Liv Morgan and Lacey Evans and Ronda Rousey cut a promo backstage and she was asked, what do you think of Liv Morgan going extreme last week? And she was like, and she was like, lol, that wasn't extreme. I'm going to win. And then walked off. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had Natalia versus Ronda Rousey, which was a match. And Ronda Rousey won with an ankle lock. Oh, we were done with this feud. Yeah. I think we are. Yeah. It's just a match. We are. I don't know, it's funny anyway. Yeah. I love the line on commentary where it's like, Natalia thinks that she should be the double champion because she was, like, the one that caused uh, Liv Morgan to cash in on Nata- on Ronda Rousey or something. I'm like, that's not how any of that works. No, not at all. <laughs> no, that's, that's not right. Uh, Liv Morgan came out afterwards and she had a bat. So, I thought mm-hmm. Liv Morgan looked like an absolute chump in this segment. Because she came out with the bat and was like staring at Ronda Rousey, holding the bat like over her shoulder, and all that stuff. And then immediately they run at each, o- at each other, and Ronda Rousey just kicks her in the gut and gets rid of the bat. I'm like, Liv, you had one job. <laughs> like, I get that it's Ronda Rousey, and she is not someone I would want to pick a fight with. No. But you've got a bat. <laughs> yeah. You probably should have the upper hand at some point. You'd in this think fight. so. Uh, they fought for a little bit. Uh, Rousey again just stood tall, just kind of threw Liv Morgan into the timekeeper's area, picked up the bat and teased that she was going to beat up security with it, but then she didn't, threw the bat down. And then they had a pull-apart brawl afterwards, like Liv came back and they were just scrapping and stuff. Not the best brawl I've ever seen, and I think the crowd were a bit dead at the end of this. They were like, "Eh, okay, move on now, it's fine. Liv's booking, since she's been been champion, it's not been good at all. Very confused with the choices they've been making. Like, okay, I if if in a vacuum you just accept last week's segment for what it was, mm-hmm. Liv Morgan has shown that she it has a killer ex- instinct and can be extreme. Regardless of what we think of that segment in itself, that's what the story is. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll work with you. You're going to tell me now that a completely fresh Liv Morgan going up against a having just wrestled Ronda Rousey, and is armed with a weapon, is still going to be on, coming out of this on the bottom? Mm-hmm. Why do I think she has any chance at the pay-per-view? I think that's the point, is you're supposed to think that she's the underdog and doesn't have a chance, and blah, 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 blah. So then she'll win, and you go, oh my god, I didn't see that coming. But at this point, I'm like, no, why are you champion? Not yeah. like, a, oh, you're a scrappy underdog babyface, I really want to see you win. It's just like, no, you don't deserve actually to be champion at this point. Yeah. You keep getting your ass handed to you. Yeah. Not it's lame. Thinking. Especially when you consider that like everybody kind of loves Liv Morgan. Yeah. And like, really wanted this to be a great yeah. run. Such like an organic upswelling of babyface support for her before she became champion. And then as she won with like cheating through money in the bank, the weird finish with her and Ronda, where it was like she tapped, but then she also won. And it was just like, just have her win. Yeah. Like, it's a really easy fix. Just have her win a lot, because that's what people wanted, was to see Liv Morgan win. It's all you need to do. Yeah. Just have your babyface win some matches, which they did with Shayna, which yeah. was, like, the one time that it was done properly yeah. during all of this. Like, I don't know if it's just Ronda Rousey that has messed up their thought process it about totally all of be. this, yeah. but I don't know. I feel like it's not that complicated. No. 
Uh, Owens, McIntyre, and Gargano were backstage. Oh, sorry. My favorite moment of this whole show was was during their entrance, but I guess that's the main event and they come later. But go on. <laughs> yes. I think I know the moment you're talking about. My favorite moment actually came up right now mm. uh, with the three of them being like, hey, no, we don't always see eye to eye, but same page, right? And, he, and Kevin Owens is like, yeah, we're on the same page. Don't you worry. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Walks off. There's a bit with Maximum Mare Models. We'll talk about that later. And then he finds Sami Zayn. And immediately, everyone in the crowd just goes, oh, it's Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I love that people just know. Yeah. When they're together, they're like, it's these guys. Uh, very slowly, the two just kind of like, Sammy's sitting down and he stands up and he's just, no words, just kind of looking at each other. Just and He's like looking down and acknowledges like the shirt that he's got on. Still no words. And then Kevin Owens just very simply just says, you need a new shirt, buddy. And then walks off. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's subtle. Ugh. Oh, love it. Oh, he just, he doesn't want him to be part of the bloodline. And he's just like, you need to get rid of that t-shirt, man. Like, this isn't you, you know? It's just telling more of the story of Kevin Owens saving Sami Zayn that will hopefully happen at some point. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, we had uh, Imperium came out to cut a promo. Um... <laughs> The six-band tag that they're having at Extreme Rules Tempest. Yes. Because you know the Extreme Rules. Every match has a stipulation. Right? This year. This year. Every they're, they're back to the way that it oh, yeah. used to be it's and an actual, should be. Yeah. It's an actual Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Hell yeah. We've got a ladder match. Yeah. We've got a strap match. An I quit match. We've got an I quit match. We've got, lots of, got a fight pit. Yeah. We've got all sorts of stuff on this one. Actually quite excited for this show. Do you want to know? The six-man tag is with Imperium and the Brawling Brutes. I'd love to know, Pete. <laughs> it's a good old-fashioned... Donnie Brook match. <sighs> See, it wasn't a Vince thing. What does that mean? This is just how they are. What, what does that mean? Good old fashioned Donnie Brook match. It's not good old fashioned. You would think that a good old fashioned something would mm-hmm. be something you wouldn't have to like explain. <laughs> Everybody would just be like, yeah, I, I remember those. That good old fashioned, you know, if somebody said, let's have a good old fashioned street fight, I could, I could figure out what they're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Totally. Or somebody even said, if, yeah. Even if on an extreme rules pay-per-view, right? Someone's like, we've got all these stipulations. Let's just have a good old fashioned singles match on this show. Mm-hmm. I could understand, you know, that's just like a, a straight lace. Like, you know, you know what it is. Good old fashioned Donnybrook is not a thing. It's not a thing. You can't just say words together that don't fit. Shoebox Moon Pie Band-Aid. <laughs> That's what I say to that. I mean, yeah, you've got a point. Um, I defy <clears throat> you, Pete Quinnell. Oh, clearly. Uh, well, uh, Gunther Cut Primo is saying he's going to break his spirit again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to be. He's facing Sheamus next week for the Intercontinental Title, and then they're having the six-man tag at Extreme Rules. Feels like an odd way to book it would have done it the other way around yeah. personally but it's what it is they want to pop a rating it's whatever yeah it's fine uh season premiere next week i cannot stand it is one of my biggest pet peeves about the current wwe calendar so they just say season premiere in october it's like just make it mean something you know so wait, this, we're gonna pop a rating on this show it's like, yeah but why like if the, if next week is the season premiere this show is a season finale yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Like, what does that mean? There's no, there's no break in this. You can't just call something a season premiere when there's no break in the programming. There's no difference in the seasons. It's just the same. 
Mm-hmm. Think of the great season finales that you've seen in shows. The great cliffhangers that they leave you on for the following season. Mm-hmm. This, this ain't was not it. one of them. This ain't it. <sighs> Serious pet peeve about the season premiere thing. But anyway, Imperium cut a promo. <clears throat> said they're going to break Seamus. Seamus came out and said that Ridge and Butch aren't here, but that's fine because I want to fight anyway. Um, cool stuff from Seamus. Uh, revealed he had a shillelagh, the sneaky man, mm-hmm. and he beat up uh, Vinci and Kaiser, and then gets in the ring, and then looks at the shillelagh, and he was like, nope, chucks it away, and then him and Gunther brawl. That's also good. Big fan. Uh, then uh, Seamus took control. Heels come back in. Numbers game. Uh, Gunther takes control again, beats him up. Seamus then gets crawls over to the microphone, and I was like, I bet you he's going to say, is that all you got? Mm-hmm. And he gets the microphone. He's like, is that all you got? And I was like, there it is. Yeah. He said the line. Um, and then they came back in and then they beat him up some more. And it was a pretty cool looking spot because Gunther like knocked out Seamus with his own shillelagh. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good looking spot. I thought this was a very good segment. Yeah. I thought it was very effective. It, it could be easy to look at Seamus and be like, "Dad, you dumb baby face. Why did you go into this fight against three men mm-hmm. and then disarm yourself? But I think narratively it all makes sense for what Gunther and Seamus are. Yeah. You know, just two dudes trying to just beat the piss out of each other. Yeah. I think it all works. I I I was sitting there as he had his arms behind the ropes and he was getting chopped and everything. I wanted at that point for him to be like, Yeah, is that all you got? You know, and then it was like, Okay, maybe maybe next time and then he went and did the line. I was like, Oh, we've saved it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Brilliant stuff. A la Jeff Hardy in two thousand two against mm-hmm. The Undertaker. Well, I, I was going to say a la Dean Ambrose, because that was his character for a bit, was he would just get beaten up, especially in the Lesnar feud, where mm. he'd just get beaten up all the time, and then he'd just keep coming back, and Lesnar was like, stop, I've beaten you up a lot, why are you still standing up? Um, but then they had their WrestleMania match, um, which wasn't good. Uh, so yeah, that was a good segment. Bailey cut a promo. Uh, Dakota and Io are stuck in Florida. What what? that sucks. Um, they talk about Antonio Inoki. Then we have the Bailey versus Shotzi match. Shotzi has a tank. She got her tank back. It fires pyro now. It's cooler than cool. a Nerf football, like yeah. It before. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, quick match. Bailey wins. Nothing to it, really. No, solid stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. fine. Bianca Belair was there. She was. Bailey went to attack Shotzi after the bell and like trapped her in like a ladder. Bianca Belair made the save. Uh, and then she kind of lifted up. It looked like she was going to do like the ro- rose plant. Is that mm-hmm. what it's ro- Rosebud? Rose plant. A- Adam Rose's rose plant. Rosebuds. Yeah. Yep, that one. Looked like she was going to do that. But then Bianca just powered her up into KOD position, but didn't manage to hit it. Um, cool. Effective once again. Yeah. It was fine. Uh, we then have the combination of the Maximum Male Model segments. There were lots of them in this show. Where the running story was, uh, they started off by saying, we're going to, we're going to, break a record today and max was like gonna win some titles and then they're like no we're gonna break the record for the longest pose in yeah. canadian history in canadian history specifically. which is different from the world record it I sure guess. is yeah the canadian record for longest pose and max dupree gets annoyed at the start of the show and he's like all right fine walks off throughout the show you see various people interacting with him when kevin Owens is walking in the in the corridor he's like Actually, his hand needs to be a little bit higher for the pose to be a bit more effective. And then walks off. Shinsuke Nakamura does like a little pose with them and stuff. Little bits and segments throughout the show. Then you get to this bit where they're about to break the record. Maxine Dupree is counting down. Ten, nine, eight. Bang. Max Dupree comes in and takes out Mansoir. Breaks the pose. They didn't break the record. Um, 
And then he says, I can't believe that you guys are wasting your time on this when you could be fighting for actual titles. You know what? And he takes off his Maximum Male Models belt that he's got. He said, maybe this was never for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then walks off. Um, so LA Knight return confirmed. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it has already been teased quite a lot, but this was kind of like the official, like, he is now done with Maximum Male Models. Cool. Cool. Like to see it. Again, it will hopefully give Maximum Male Models something to do. I doubt it. Personally, I think it's going to give LA Knight something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it can, he can fight Mace and Mansoir for, sure. you know, a couple I, weeks. I kind of don't want him to. I kind of just want him to just leave and just do his own thing. Yeah, just know? go and cut real promos yeah, and be a wrestler. Be, be in an actual feud, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Maybe he can debut on the season premiere. Um, then had the main event of Theory and Alpha Academy versus McIntyre, Owens, and Gargano. <laughs> On My Ke- favorite moment on the uh, show. Uh, I'll let you say them. They're all making their, their entrances, yep. and Kevin Owens makes his way down to the front of the ringside area, mm-hmm. and he says, yeah, I got a theory. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote that in my notes. Kevin Owens is one of the funniest wrestlers. He can say something that's, objectively speaking, not a great line, mm-hmm. but he says it, and I'm like, that's hilarious. He's just a funny guy. You know, there. There's a, a moment from the mixed uh, mixed tag challenge or whatever mixed, mixed match, match challenge, challenge yeah. yeah the pick and mix challenge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when Kevin Owens and whoever his partner was uh, were facing Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman mm-hmm. and whoever Kevin Owens' partner was had Alexa pinned and the ref goes and they kick out and Kevin Owens goes ah, that was three <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I've not forgotten that since it happened. I love when wrestlers just get very stupid and silly about a lot of things. Yeah. Like Daniel Bryan's commentary, for example, Bears. on Saturday Morning Slam. It's the bear hug! This is it! Is just the funniest stuff. Yeah. I love it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, aside from that, I thought that this main event was actually a little bit disappointing. Because six-man I mean, yeah. six tags in general in WWE are quite fun. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these wrestlers are real good at wrestling. And yeah. I was like, this is going to be a real fun match. And I thought it was fine. Yeah, There was nothing really special to it, which kind of sucks when you've got McIntyre, Owens, Gargano, Theory, Gable, and Otis in this match. I'm like, that's a lot of really good wrestling in this match. And uh, none of it really got to shine, I didn't think. Yeah, to me, this this show, like, with the exception of, like, a few bits here and there, like, a few, call them angles, I guess, this felt like a house show. Yeah. You know, this felt like a house show main event. And it's, like, doesn't mean it's bad. It just kind of means you're probably not going to see anything mind-blowing in it. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I agree. I just, it's a little, little bit of a letdown. Yeah. But you just, you come to expect a little bit more, and then... You get something that's kind of average, and then you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Again, it's fine. We just, I don't know. I don't want to sound entitled and just be like, I want Triple H to SmackDown to be better than fine. But I do. Yeah, but I do. Yeah. You know? We've come to expect a little bit better from Triple H and his era, and this was average. See, here's a, here's a, here's a broader thought about SmackDown in mm. general. Because the best SmackDowns are always when, like, Roman Reigns is on the show or there's a major advancement in this bloodline thing, right? And if there isn't that, no other storyline is having that big advancement. Mm -hmm. 
which it kind of needs. Like, if Roman Reigns and the Bloodline are not going to be the focus of a show, you should have a different thing be your running storyline throughout yep. the show and get tons of focus and have that big thing that you'll remember going into next week. Mm-hmm. And instead, it just feels like, oh, well, Roman's not on this show. Filler episode. Yeah. That's totally. unfortunate. Yeah. And, like, you have other big feuds. You know, you have Drew McIntyre and Karen Cross, and you mm-hmm. have Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. And even on the show, you have Bailey and Bianca Belair, like, if you want to. And, like, part of me wants to give them a little bit of leeway because I know certain people couldn't make it yeah. to the show because of the hurricane and everything. But also, from the people that were at the show, you could have done more with this. Yeah. So I, I give them a half a pass on this one. I don't give them a pass. Give them half a pass on this one. Uh, we'll also say for the finish, McIntyre won with the Claymore on the Theory. Uh, the camera work was terrible because it missed all three final moves. Which is Johnny Gargano hitting the Tornado DDT on the outside. Kevin Owens hit a stunner on the commentary table. Then Drew hit a Claymore in the ring. And the camera literally missed all three of them. Like, But Kevin Dunn's not leaving! Christ. Like, like gang. Come on. It's <laughs> the finish. Anyway, uh, Drew hit Theory with a strap because he's in a strap match. Uh, and that was a show. That was an entirely missable episode. Yeah. Yeah. So in sync. Let's talk about Rampage, yeah. which was also missable. Um, we had the acclaimed versus private party versus butcher and blade aew tag title match um the acclaimed one mm-hmm. this was a fine match i it enjoyed right. it yeah. yeah it's kind of what you would expect out of like a first title defense for the acclaimed where they can't go out there and just beat a team that would have been perceived as higher than them right, right. off the bat you kind yeah. of have to build something like yeah, yeah, that yeah. and have it be a test Mm-hmm. But as just a first title defense against Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade, I thought this was totally fine. Yeah. And it also continued the trend of the main event of Rampage taking place in the opener. Yeah. yeah. I am getting to the point where I'm just beaten down by this and do not care anymore. Yeah. But I'm not there yet. I would rather just the big match take place in the main event. Why is the title match not in the main event? I don't know. And I'm tired of hearing the excuses like, oh, well, it's late. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Book your shows better. (laughs) Um, I also noticed on the name bar, this might might not be the first time, but the first time I noticed on the acclaimed entrance, they were not joined by Billy Gunn. They were joined by Daddy Ass. Ah. On the actual name bar, his name is Daddy Ass now. Interesting. Mm. Gimmick infringement. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I really enjoyed Max Caster's rap here. Mm, I thought very this good. was one of his uh, better ones. Mm. He made fun of Ben Simmons. I don't like Ben Simmons because he's a basketball player and he doesn't know how to shoot. Nice. I don't get that. He also made fun of Adam Levine. He did. Good. Yeah. Topical reference. I Idiot. like it. Uh, the Ass Boys were backstage and they have another pop at FTR. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't. Won that match. Uh, Jade Cargill gets challenged by Nyla Rose. Why is Vicky Guerrero still with Nyla Rose? What else is she going to do? I'd prefer nothing. TBH. She could be Marina Shafir if you want. But just Nyla Rose needs to talk for herself, man. That's a good point. Nyla Rose is actually a good promo. She's so good. Goodness me. Um, That'd be fun, I guess. Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose. Yeah. Fun match. I'm down. Had a squash match of Lee Moriarty versus Fuego Del Sol. I like Lee Moriarty. I'm glad he's winning matches. Mm-hmm. That's Same. not all I got out of this. It's nice. It, getting over his offense a little bit more. Yeah. People who are unfamiliar. 
It's good. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, w. Morrissey did a big choke slam afterwards. That was cool. Did like a one-handed thing. Held in there and was just like gesturing and stuff afterwards and then did a big choke slam. It was cool. Um, I like this segment of uh, Dark Order were backstage. Yeah. And you had Evil Uno, Ten, and Hangman uh, that were backstage. And they were chatting just being like, hey, we're pals. Yeah, we're cool. Dark Order for life. Dark Order, yeah. Uh, but then Assistant Jose comes in and uh, shows Hangman. He like throws up a clip onto the TV. Uh, and he shows from the Battle Royal that he gets eliminated, or Ten gets eliminated by Jay Lethal uh, doing a springboard dropkick. But he only gets eliminated because Hangman ducks. Hangman ducks and gets out of the way. So it hits 10 and 10 gets eliminated. He's like, Hangman's the reason you're eliminated. And I'm like, that's cool. That's a nice little story wedge in between Hangman and Dark Order. Again, more of that. Um, And then afterwards, Andrade comes in and he's like, look, enough of this. I've been trying to get your services for ages, 10. What if we do, me versus you, if I win, I get your mask. And 10 shakes his hand. Andrade goes to walk away, pulls it back and he says, on one condition, if I win... You leave AEW forever. And he walks up and they're like, hey, Dark Order, let's go. And then they walk off. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That is a match with some serious stakes. I'm into it. There's been rumors of Andrade being upset with AEW or whatever and leaving. I don't think he is. But there's rumors of it. Or on the flip side, tell us to get rid of his mask. Yeah. That's also a big deal. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Like... This, to me, is playing into online rumors mm. in a positive way. Yes. Where you don't, like, it's not like he's, I don't think Andrade's leaving the company next week by any means. No. That would be surprising. But there's more doubt in my mind with this than if they just did it about whoever who doesn't have some rumors going around at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, like when they were like, oh, it's a John Cena leaves WWE match. It's like, right. he's obviously not. Like, yeah. you know. Gets fired and is never yeah. off TV. And gets fired and comes back next week. Like, you know, I'm still yeah. sad we didn't see Juan Cena. You ever see that? <laughs> yeah. That news story from the time? We wrestled yeah. one house show as Juan Cena, his uh, it's Mexican cousin. Beautiful. Um, we then had, at the tail end of this segment, though, I like this less, where Ethan Page and um, Sockley Hathaway come in. And they said, like, oh, you need to take better care of what's going on with your guys because Matt Hardy's been doing some contract tampering with Private Party. And I'm like, guys. Give him a hug. Guys. Really? I don't like the firm. I don't like the firm either. I'm not a fan. I know you don't like them because they've got the ass boys in them. It's not just <laughs> that, though. Yeah, I know. It's not just that. It's the fact that I like... <laughs> maybe half of them and half of them on a good day you know yeah if there's like seven people involved or whatever on a good day i like four of them yeah it's just none of it feels cohesive to me and i've been trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them some time to flesh this out a little bit more and i don't think it's working for me like just none of it's that interesting there and Again, I don't want to keep harping on this, but I will until they fix it, where you have so many people that are upset backstage, seemingly, and just countless amount of people that don't get enough TV time as it is. Why have the ass boys been on every goddamn show for like the last six months? 
I get that there's an argument to be made that they were the ones that feuded with the acclaimed to get the acclaimed over as baby faces to get them set up for the tag titles. Sure. I'm not going to deny that that is like a useful thing, mm-hmm. but I'm over it. Yeah. I would rather see half this roster than the people that are in the firm. Yeah. With the exception of like Lee Moriarty and sometimes Ethan Page, depending on what he's doing, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's a shame. I also, just not a huge fan of the whole Matt Hardy private party contract tampering stuff. I'm like, stop. I don't know. It's annoying to me. Anytime they start doing storylines about WWE stuff, I'm like, gang, come on. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Willow Nightingale faced Jamie Hayter and it was cool. Positivity! That was nice. I love these two. They're very much. These are the two. I I always say... Uh, that like I like seeing the development of the AEW roster, like the people that were like you know lower end talent a year or two ago mm-hmm. or three years ago, even in the case of like Silver and Reynolds, and then seeing them work their way up the card. These are the examples of the women's division that I really like: mm. Jamie Hader, Willow Nightingale. I don't know if Jamie Hader is going to turn babyface at a certain point or if she's going to be a heel. I think she's great either way. But these two can be your top heel and babyface of this division in like a year's time. Mm-hmm. And in Jamie Hader's case, maybe not even that long. She's already getting huge reactions on oh, this yeah. show in particular. They she was getting cheered over Willow, yeah, which is. slightly mad just (laughs) because Willow Nightingale is like the most likable performer that I may see in pro wrestling these days but Jamie Hayter is just that over Mm -hmm. yep Uh, Hook beat up Ryan Nemeth that's all I have to say about that segment yeah they the women's match got some time it did they were doing moves yeah like Willow hit a, a Death Valley driver yeah. You know, this wasn't just like a, a nothing four minute match. No, it like was they, really good. They were given some time and yeah. it was. Jamie Hader won, I guess we should say. Yeah, Jamie Hader won. Hit the Rainmaker and won. Yeah. It was cool. I really enjoyed the little match they had. Yeah. It's a match that I could see again in a year's time on a pay per view. Yeah, 100%. Hook beat up Ryan Nemeth. And then the Dude Busters were there. The Trust Busters. Truth Smashes. They came in and left an envelope for Hook. Why do they have a butler? Talk about another example of the ass boys getting too much TV time. Yeah. I've seen too much of the Trustbusters. This is a a trio that needs to be on Dark and Dark Elevation for, like, another year. Yeah. Because there are just more people that should be on TV and storylines that should be getting more play than the Trustbusters. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer I about just, this show, I but like, know. why are they leaving an envelope for Hook? What is Hook going to be involved with the trust? But I don't want any don't of that. Know. If he's going to be feuding with them or part of them, both of them are terrible. Yeah, I just don't want him involved in it. Hook is so much better than that. Yes, so much more upside. Remember a year ago when I said he should have won the title? <clears throat> I do remember. Stand by that. Yeah, Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah. Uh, I liked this little video promo about Hangman and Mox. I thought this was hilarious. This was brilliantly done. Because pure video promo hype package, you know, Moxie saying, oh, you know, cowboy ass, all that stuff. I'm going to beat you, blah, blah, blah. Hangman's coming. He's like, it's always about the fans. The fans are always behind me. I can't wait to have the fans in my corner. And then it just cuts to a shot of the cameraman just reminding Hangman. He goes, oh, you know, you're in Cincinnati. And he goes, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. I love it. Yeah. So well done. Because it's the classic. Hangman's self-doubt. 
that we know of him being like, oh, I'm not going to have the fans in my corner. Oh, that's yeah. not great. Yeah. You know, like it's that, that the seeds are being planted. Yeah. And it's really interesting that they can have a promo segment acknowledging that without it just being a promo like about that yeah. in a way. Yeah. Where Hangman didn't say like, you know, I'm going to be in your hometown. The fans aren't going to be with me and and whatever, whatever, but I'm still going to do my best because that's what cowboys do. Mm-hmm. No, it was a little bit more subtle than that. Yeah. And also funny. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Big thumbs up for this. Yeah. Uh, we then had the main event of uh, Silver versus Roosh. In the, the rundown of announcements, the, the Excalibur minute that he does mm-hmm. of where he announced all the stuff. If you don't watch AEW regularly, but you tuned into this episode of Rampage, and he just says, don't forget next Wednesday's National National Scissoring Day, and then moves on to the next thing, you're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no context as to what that means. You got to know. It's, it's so funny. Um, I mean, to be fair, you would have seen the acclaimed on this show, but not the point. Um, <clears throat> Silver versus Roosh was the main event. Um, bit fun. Yeah, that was right. Fine match. Roosh got the win. I like Roosh. Roosh is great. I think Roosh is really coming to his own in AEW. Mm. There was He had a reputation a long time as like a really charismatic guy who wasn't that smooth in the ring. Yeah. I think he's really turned that around. I agree. Yeah. You know, obviously, he's working with like a lot of really great talent, but like, yeah, he, he is really, really polished. I really enjoy seeing Roosh. Yeah. It's a he's good, good good addition to this he's roster. He's now All Elite. Officially signed, which Ooh. was news to me because I thought he was just signed months ago. <laughs> yeah. But no, not. cool. I, I love it. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, Hangman came out as oh, post-match brawl. Hangman came out, uh, Buckshots, Jose. Um, it's Hangman versus Roosh. I, yeah. That, that's yeah. the... Uh, I didn't know if we were going to get that singles match or if the match that they were going to have would just be like, they are the final two in the Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the excuse to have them wrestle each other. But no, they're going to wrestle on Dynamite next week, and I bet it'll be great. Yeah. I would have to imagine that Hangman Page is going to wrestle Andrade at the pay-per-view. Mm, be and I it. think that will be a fun match. Yeah, because Hangman will beat Roosh here in mm. advance of him facing Mox, who he'll lose to. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, build a full gear of Hangman versus Andrade, and I'd be well into that. And if by that point... If you have 10 in Andrade's corner, mm. that's a spicy little feud. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, for the custody of 10. <laughs> 10 on a pole match. <laughs> Give me that one. That's a that's a, that's a a show. Uh, that was Rampage. Um, again. It's it, an episode it of Rampage. It's an episode of Rampage. You sure know, is. Rampage now is a, <clears throat> an hour of wrestling that won't bore you, but won't blow you away either. Yeah. And that's about it. get into the rest of your ultra chats here last chance to send those in at wrestletalk.com forward slash support uh all the ones that are five us dollars and up uh by the time the show goes off the air we will read uh lbk in response to his previous ultra chat about who should be uh who should beat jay white for the iwgp heavyweight championship uh it says shingo is a great shout i personally like it to be danielson no reason i just wanted to be the iwgp champion valid that's fair 
Like you said, I want Jay to have the run that he's earned with the incredible work he's put in over the last few years, especially. Mm-hmm. Felt a long time. It felt for a very long time like he wasn't going to get it. Mm. You know, especially granted, it was all like rumors and like speculation and whatnot that he was going to leave New Japan. Yeah. Like when he lost to Oka or lost to Ibushi mm. in the in the main event of the Tokyo Dome, that great match he had and cut a great promo afterwards. I was like, I really don't want him to do that because I want him to stay and be the top heel and be great because he is great. And now he's finally getting his run as champion. It's just, mm. yeah, not not a moment too soon. And uh, we'll be seeing Jay White uh, tomorrow because we're going to Royal Quest 2 Night 2 yes. uh, Crystal Palace. I'm very excited. He's facing uh, Zack Sabre Jr., right? I think is that, is that the main event? No, uh, Naito is facing Zack Sabre Jr. Naito is facing Zack Sabre Jr. Who's he facing? I don't oh, know. I think he's in Six Man. Yeah, I believe so. Some Bullet Club. It's a Bullet Club thing. Related thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Naito. That, that's I was getting mixed up. Um, uh, we then have Rob Buck said, uh, now that I know uh, Joey Wheeler was designed with Enoki in mind, how come no one has ever had a finisher named after a Yu-Gi-Oh card? Oh no, he's locked in the Winged Dragon of Ra. He's hit him with the Millennium Eye. He obliterated him with the Exodia. I would bet there's a nerd out there that does have a Yu-Gi-Oh themed. 100%. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've seen it with other stuff. Gang, I'm going to let you in on a, on a little thing. I'm named after a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> <laughs> so your birth name, Tempest. Yes. Yeah. Your parents must have been big Yu-Gi-Oh fans. Huge. Yeah. Huge fans. Yu-Gi-Oh. Huge fans of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, doubt it for a moment. Mm. Uh, Mention this to a friend. I'm a fantasy football league, of course, and uh, the biggest amount, the most fun you can have in a fantasy football league is naming your team after a player on your team with a pun involved. Cool. And I, of course, have drafted a wonderful wide receiver in Amon Ra St. Brown, and my team name is the Wing Dragon of Amon Ra. <laughs> Good. You Good job. Go. Good job. Thank you. Kevin said, uh, thank you, Tempest, for the history lesson about Inoki. Didn't know how important he was to Puro history. I hope Jay Uso starts to show more trust towards Sami Zayn as time goes on, so it's even more painful when they turn on him and beat his ass. They could go any which way with that storyline. And I wouldn't be shocked. Well, like, I might be shocked. I'll be surprised by whatever they do, because they could go so many different directions. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm into so it. exciting. Yeah. On the subject of SmackDown, Hawk the Outcast 823 said, uh, that last QR code was screaming Bray. The three little pigs, little pig, little pig, let me in. Also, is it Team Theory or Team Johnny for war games? KO, Gargano, Drew, and Braun versus Theory, Alpha Academy, and Cross? Oh, I dislike that. Well, I don't dislike it in itself. I dislike that as an alternative to having the bloodline against mm, somebody. Yeah. So that to me is a much bigger deal. Yeah, 100%. And you think because it's Survivor Series, you'd have the bloodline be like the big thing. If they want to get over the war games yeah. thing, you'd have you do the biggest match you can. You'd probably book bloodline in it. That'd be me anyway. Mm-hmm. Riot DR said, uh, randomness. Uh, I'm just waiting for Max slash LA slash Eli to look at the maximum male models and just exclaim, dummies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Drew was uh, displaced in a Raw storyline. Always funny when they pretend the brand split is a thing. Shotzi got her tank back. That's cool. Where is Legato? That's a great question. Great question. I would love to see Santos Escobar on SmackDown. The White Rabbit teases off a of Santos Escobar. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. People, do your digging. Do your research. We'll make it. We'll make connections where they don't exist, but we'll make it happen. Get your Tim Fo hats on. Uh, Wilfred Langside. Great name. Hey lads. Uh, I was at the show last night, lost my voice cheering for Sammy and Owens. Being in the crowd for the White Rabbit was awesome. The stage and the entrance all started turning red and spooky for five seconds at the end of the song. Gotta be Bray. Yeah, I would have it's to think so. It's gotta be Bray. 
Yeah, well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it kind of has to be. Uh, Mayor of Painsville, Dan, on the subject of a rampage, said, Hello, Pete and Tempest. I hope you're well. Chatting in early today because I'm on my way to WXW Tag Fest with Marcel. Nice. Special shout out to Headmaster Headman today. I agree. Good luck with everyone dealing with the hurricane stuff. Mm -hmm. It looks awful. Uh, what do you think will happen with uh, Ten and Andrade next week? Andrade will win and yes. Ten will unmask. Either Ten will unmask or Ten will keep the mask, but be under Andrade's employ. He's like, I get the mask. Do you want to come with the mask? Or mm -hmm. not? Kind of thing. It's like a either or. I think mm -hmm. it will work. I, I, I could see that, because it's like, this was given to you by Brody Lee. I will let mm. you keep it if yes. you become my employee. Exactly, yeah. How important is Mr. Brody Lee to you? Mm -hmm. I think that would be a really nice touch to it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kevin said, uh, I lost my mind when production managed to, some, uh, to somehow miss all three finishes. Like, is that even possible to do that not on purpose? Also, Rampage was fine. Nothing crazy. Intrigued about Andrade versus 10 next week. But other than that, meh. Pretty much. Yeah. Encapsulates my feelings at the ending of both show. Yep. Riot DR said, Drew McIntyre made his first entrance with a sword and a whipping instrument. I too like Castlevania. <laughs> On Rampage, Moriarty and Morrissey as a tag team would make me smile. I always love a team with a technical wizard and a brute. Love you guys, by the way. Likewise. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, excuse me. Uh, and uh, Christopher Carl said, if Pete got to choose the next rock, it has to be Tucker. Hashtag push Tucker. Hashtag jam that jam. Hashtag L-I-W. It doesn't say for life. It says for Lukov. Lukov. L-I-W for for For, for Lukov. Um, thank you very much, Christopher. And uh, always push Tucker. And if you're using Surfshark VPN or Incogni, use the promo code push tucker um that is going to do it for this episode of the restore podcast thank you so much everyone for watching uh if you haven't already to the channel please like and subscribe stay tuned for all sorts of more content coming soon it's extreme rules next week so we're going to be doing predictions um we're not currently doing live reactions for extreme rules that might change because the bray wyatt teasers are getting more overt so maybe but probably not. Uh, but we are going to be having uh, reviews of Extreme Rules and, of course, all the weekly content with Raw and uh, Dynamite and SmackDown and Rampage. So subscribe for that, and we'll see you in future videos. Thank you so much for watching. I've been Chopper Pete Quinnell. I've been joined by Tempest. You're Jam That Champion. Uh, and uh, uh, Jam That Jam. Goodbye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.